everybody. Welcome to the Dig Deep Podcast. My name is Jess. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Today, we are doing part two of this little two-part series that we are calling Beauty for Ashes. And if you didn't listen last week, um, the pre-Easter message, then I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. Our foundational scripture is from Isaiah 61, where it says that we serve a God who takes our ashes and gives us something beautiful instead. And that passage in Isaiah 61 is the scripture that Jesus reads, that he quotes when he begins his ministry in Luke chapter four. And then he says, this scripture has been fulfilled today in me. And so we serve the God, Jesus, who takes our ashes and makes something beautiful. So today I am really excited to introduce my two good friends, Josh and Jen Smith. You guys can say hi. Hello. Hello. We've been friends for, gosh, what? Five Almost years? five years. Yeah. Five years five now. Years. Yep. And um, the Smiths are awesome. Our kids are all buddies. We're actually recording this at their house and the kids are all playing in the backyard. It's really, really fun. They're good, good buds to us. And I want them to share a little bit of their story because their story um, is one that is inspirational to me. And I feel like it's such a good picture of how God doesn't let anything go to waste. And he makes all things beautiful. He works all things for the good of those who love him and are called. So to start off, you guys tell everybody a little bit about your family. You guys have three adorable children. You have Reagan. What are a couple words to describe Reagan? Reagan's eight now. Yeah. Yeah, She's eight in February. How would you describe Reagan? First thing that comes to my mind is artist. Mm, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would say um, she's kind of quiet, fairly reserved. Yeah, but administrative. Yeah, very administrative. <laughs> she, yeah. She's definitely the big sister. Yes, yep. and likes to be in charge of things. And she's awesome. She's a yeah. daddy's girl. She loves loves yeah. daddy. So, <laughs> yeah. she's yeah. a good kid. And then there's Karis, mm-hmm. who is how old now? Goodness, five and a half. Five, five and a half. half. She's very particular about. Noting the half. Right yeah, oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. She and Elijah are right on track with each other. Yeah. That's right. Yep. And um, wow. And Karis, I can't wait to hear your words about <laughs> Karis because we all know Karis is awesome sauce. Yep. She is just full of life. Yes. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll maybe talk a little bit about the story of her sure. during this, but um, I was pregnant with her. She just did not stop moving. Once, you know, the doctor say you should start feeling her. She did not stop moving. And I joke that she has never stopped <laughs> moving stopped. since she started. Like she <laughs> yes. just is full of life, a bundle of energy, just, um, sweet and sour. She's, she gives, uh, very generously of her heart, but she also is very feisty. So yes, yep. she's a feisty be one. Cool to see what God does yeah. with her and, and with Reagan, of course. Absolutely. And then Aiden just turned one. Yeah. And he is adorable. He was born with a wig on. <laughs> and I think he like has won the world record for most haircuts before his first birthday. I mean, how many haircuts did he have before his first he's birthday? At, uh, yeah, he's had four. Four, yeah. Four, four yeah. before four his first birthday. Yeah. I mean, all my babies needs were another bald. <laughs> and his so hair is better than mine. Yeah, he has amazing hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has awesome hair. Okay, awesome. And we are obviously going to talk more about um, your kids because um, your story is awesome and and your kids are awesome. But first, I want to talk about how you guys met just briefly. We're going to go through your whole little story because, Jen, when you've told me this story, you were getting ready to move to California. Mm -hmm. And you had sort of decided, you had been on the dating scene, you were sort of over it, and you were like, okay, well, now I'm going to California, and so I'll meet my husband in California. That was right. That's right. It's a good summary, right? Yeah. Um, And then you were what, at a party? No, I, I moved back home to Maryland just right. for the summer. Right. It was for just the for the summer. And I was just getting literally like that was the time I like had given up 
on meeting somebody and I was just waiting to go to California at the end of the summer, moved back to Maryland and decided to go to a church here, a different church um, to meet new people and just kind of do something different. And I walk into a small group that they invited me and I saw Josh and I was like, all right, God, what are you doing? Because I just knew right away. I was carrying a guitar. You said and... that nicer. I think when you told me the story, you said, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's... <laughs> Trying to be, you know, a little... Yeah, you had it in your that. mind. I'm not meeting anyone this summer. I'm meeting my husband in California. Yeah. So I pretty much knew as soon as I saw him. I yeah. don't know why. Just, you know, one of those things. But... And you were right. So yeah. way to go. Really good discernment. And then you guys started dating. And then you had to date long distance because you did move out to California. Mm-hmm. So then you guys dated for, what, a couple of years? Just a year. A year. Yeah. And then got married shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. About a year after that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you guys had, like, I think most young couples, you had an idea of what newlywed life was going <laughs> to look like. You had probably this picture of this wonderful honeymoon phase where everything was going to be wonderful. And that ended up not really totally being your reality um, because pretty early on in marriage, what was it, about six months into marriage? Or how far? Or a um, year? For... I'm trying to remember, for your surgery? For the surgery, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it was it the was November. Within, yeah, it was within the first so year. So like nine months. Yeah. yeah. I had to... I started having weird back pain and numbness and mm-hmm. wasn't sure what it was. And yeah, mm-hmm. ended mm-hmm. up at a neurologist. And uh, they said it was spina bifida. It was a problem with my spinal cord. And if I didn't get it taken care of that I could probably have paralysis or lose my bowel and bladder function. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm just, you know, newlywed. And, um, and at the time we were in California when this started and you know, all of our families here on the East coast, we were five hour plane ride away from anybody that we really knew. So, uh, it really started getting worse when we, after we had moved back to Virginia. Um, but yeah, it was hard because you're dealing with first year of marriage and yeah, so then you have about this, this major surgery. Yeah, yeah right. major surgery. Major yeah, recovery time. Yeah. I mean, what your recovery was, I mean. Um, it was a good, I want to say, six months before I was somewhat back to normal. That's about right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Josh, it was hard on him because he hadn't even <clears throat> been married a year to me um, and just had to take care of me. And, yeah. you know, it was just not really what we had in right. mind. <laughs> and, yeah, and if you don't know Jen, she is like queen – of all things domestic in ways that I like, <laughs> I have so much admiration for her because I am not gifted in those ways. And so you probably had imagined cooking him these amazing meals. She's an incredible cook and, and doing all these things, making your house home and, and you were really dependent on him to take care of you. So, so not, not what you would imagine for yourselves. Yeah. And I'm sure that brought with it some, some grief. And then you recovered, praise God. And you are now, good and healthy and strong and walking around and then how f- long after that did you guys um decide you started you want to start a family yeah so and during the recovery from spinal cord surgery I would say mm. that the one thing that got me through that surgery was the fact that okay once I'm better yeah I think at that point probably within a year that was the point that in my mind that we would have started yeah. and so it was difficult to think my brothers had started having kids and it was difficult to be in that position of having the surgery and recovery so one thing that got me through that really difficult time was just the hope that, okay, once I'm recovered, that we can start and I'm going to be able to be a mommy yeah. and that's going to be awesome. So that's really something I clung to, so, yeah, um, to help me through that really difficult time of surgery and recovery. Yeah. And um, so once we, you know, started at that point trying and it wasn't working, um, 
it was, you know, really difficult. Yeah. And um, I don't know how much you want me to go into. No, you, I mean, you share what you want to share. I mean, you guys ended up running into more heartache um, through that process and realizing, okay, maybe, um, maybe we're not going to be parents the way that we thought we would. Yeah. At first, you know, I kind of thought it was normal. I knew other people had had trouble conceiving. And so I just thought, you know, I bought books and, you know, tried all these things and yeah, charting. Oh, Josh, I like that you you added that. That's great. Yeah. All that. (laughs) You remember that. I remember. (laughs) A truly truly sensitive husband. Everybody. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, just trying to do all those things and I'm kind of a hippie. So just kind of looking at natural things that I could do. And I was trying to do all these things, kind of taking it into my control. I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm in control of this. Mm. Like, there might be something a little bit wrong, but there's something obviously I can do to fix it just like I do with everything else. Sure. Um, and so I did. we did seek treatment pretty early on. Um, and the doctor actually, you know, a lot of times they make you wait a year. He didn't make us wait very long. He just did the preliminary test just because we're ready to kind of start. Um, and so pretty much right at the beginning or right as soon as we got the results from the test, we knew. Yeah without a doubt that we were infertile and um so you know we it's a blessing in one way that we didn't have to wait you know a lot of people have undiagnosed infertility Mm. and that sort of thing so it's a blessing that we knew but it was also crushing to find out that basically you know we had this huge loss that we had to grieve as uh, a couple so it was definitely a really crushing blow yeah um, after all that we had already experienced in our marriage, so yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I cannot imagine. I mean, you guys, as a young newlywed couple, just coming off of the the crazy news and the surgery to face that so quickly thereafter. Um, but I have so much respect for you guys because you guys didn't you didn't waste much time before you jumped into the process that brought you Reagan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about that, how, about how Reagan came to be Reagan. I have to interject and give oh. Jen most of the credit for that because <clears throat> Jen is far more urgent than I am. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very deliberative about things. Yeah. And uh, if it wasn't for her pushing so hard for it, it would have probably been a lot longer yeah. timeline. So um, I always like to give her credit for <laughs> That's good. As, it's always, as, us wives always appreciate. Right. For, for her level of faith, though, because, mm. you know, I understand being the spiritual leader of the house and things like that, but um, Jen, Jen is an inspiration to me in that regard. She, she's just got. Um, I'm just always impressed with her, her faith in Jesus and how she doesn't ever waver from it. And that's mm-hmm. where I think she gets a lot of her urgency in life. Is yeah. she just knows, and she follows. And sometimes she has to drag me along <laughs> with her, but <laughs> but it ends up working out. So. Oh man, that's awesome, Josh. I agree. As her friend, I agree. All all true things about Jen. So then you guys are in the process for Reagan and Reagan is domestically adopted. Mm-hmm. And what was that process like for you guys? In, just in a brief summary. Um, yeah, it, it was a really quick process actually. Um, like Josh said, I didn't take too long, you know, we kind of got this news and I just kind of, you know, it was definitely crushing and I had to deal with that for a little bit, but I just really ultimately, I prayed a lot and, you know, I mean, there was times I just cried out in anger and I, I actually just told someone this um, the other day that there was times that I would cry in my pillow, that cry that like a mother has of like losing a child. It was mm-hmm. just like, we had to let go of our children before wow. we even got 
to have children. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's what I felt like God was really telling me personally to do. You know, we each had to deal with it in a different way, but and together. But um, that's what I felt God told me through this. Like, it's OK to be angry. It's OK to be upset, but you have to let go of this. And that was one thing that in mm-hmm. my life. I'm, I like to have control of things. And so that was really hard for me. And it was a huge lesson for me. But now I'm thankful for it because um, I realized, okay, I got to I gotta trust you, God. And so that's why, you know, I didn't take long to waver and, and just sit around and do nothing. I didn't want to sit around. I wanted to find out what God had in store. So mm-hmm. started just doing research and um, ultimately ended up choosing domestic adoption. And uh, friends of my brother's recommended a like a placement agency and so we went right with them cool. and we made our profile book and just you know we didn't waste any time got our home study done profile book um and one one cool thing that uh I really like to share with our profile book and just to encourage anybody else who may be listening mm-hmm. and you know going through adoption or thinking about going through adoption we really just tried to make it a picture of ourselves and a huge part of our lives obviously is our relationship with Christ and so the people we were working with, you know, kind of gave us critique of what we should include and not include. And they said, don't be too, you know, open about your faith because that might scare some people off. And so, you know, I was making this book. I I thought about that and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to not share who we are. Right. We um, both talked about that. And we just felt it was too important to, yeah. to not include. Yeah. That's awesome. So we included a lot in there about our involvement in our church and just our relationship with Jesus and how important that was and how Mm. we wanted to be parents so that we could instill that in our children. And um, so the first profile or the first situation that we were given, we were chosen for. And we found out later that I think she had like 13 books to go through or something, which is a lot of books, uh, profile books to look through. And um, she chose us. Mm. And so it was it was just very quick thing. We submitted that profile in November and Reagan was born in February. So it was literally nine months from our infertility diagnosis that we oh had goodness. a baby in our arms. <laughs> That's so incredible. Yeah. And it's important to note, too, the reason she chose us was yeah. because was we yeah. were not hiding our faith in Jesus. And yeah. that was important to her. That's really cool. Yeah, both her and her mom looked through the books. She told us later yeah. that they both looked through the books and they both chose us. And that was something that stuck out to them because that was awesome. one of the most important things in her choice of parents for her child. That's awesome. So that's so cool, yeah. man. That is awesome, and yeah, that is so fast. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. Nine months later, you were holding Reagan. That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it was a little shocking to sure. Yeah, I don't remember when we started the process, but it was maybe like October or something, September, October, where we started the book, and it was serious, you know, and going through doing all the paperwork and all those things, and turned in the book and. By the end of December, we had already gotten chosen, and so me being Mr. Crazy. Deliberative, non-urgent, I was kind of like, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's our is, first baby. This is like, happening. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, you're yeah. like, wow. Okay, whoa. Yeah. She really, her faith really took us here. Let's, yeah. We're doing this. Let's yeah. do it. That's incredible. And then your other two kiddos are adopted too, and we're going to circle back to you know Reagan's story, but um, <clears throat> Karis is adopted in a way that I don't know if many people know about this form of adoption. How is Karis out? Uh, she was an embryo adoption, so yeah. uh, we actually were going to do that process first, and then we decided um, we felt like God was kind of leading us towards domestic adoption for various reasons, so we ended up adopting Reagan, and then we didn't wait very long after Reagan was born to pursue 
embryo adoption. So we'd already looked into it. And, and basically, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yes. uh, where couples who have had IVF have remaining embryos. And, you know, the, right now, the two options for those embryos are either to discard them, I guess, also to give them to research mm-hmm. um, or discard them. And then the third option would be now there's some programs that people have created that allow you to donate them to yeah. other couples who have infertility. And so yeah. uh, there's a place in Tennessee and we found that and um, signed up with their program. They run it just like a regular adoption. You have to have a home study and yeah. um, and everything. But uh, we went down there and we had three three transfers to do yeah. it. And the first two transfers didn't work. And so the third transfer, they transferred two embryos and um, we ended up getting pregnant or mm-hmm. I ended up pregnant with Karis. And so I carried her. Yeah. Um, just like amazing. a normal pregnancy. And yeah, it was a pretty cool experience because that was one thing, yeah. um, you know, obviously with Reagan, it was amazing. Like I never wavered in feeling like she was my daughter or anything like that. Yeah. I still just had this longing that to experience pregnancy. Yeah, and the cool thing now is that um, I don't really miss out on that because uh, we do have such a great relationship with Reagan's birth mom. But yeah. now it allows me to know what it would have felt like yeah. to have carried Reagan. Sure. And that's so really cool. um, it's just, you know, I got to carry Karis and that's a special thing. Yeah. But um, it also allows me to understand what the birth mothers wow. kind of were feeling when they carried um, both Reagan and Aiden. So that's awesome. Yeah. And Aiden's your little guy yeah. and he was just adopted a year ago when he was yeah. born. And um, what was that process like for you guys? It's inter- interesting, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we had had Reagan and Karis and we'd been parents for a while and you know, used to having kids. We're kind of in that groove and we had been through the adoption process and, you know, even with the, the embryo adoption, one thing Jen didn't mention was even though on the third time it was a happy ending, there was a, there was a lot of roller coaster of emotions sure. because oh, yeah. every time that it didn't work, that's another time that we're grieving a yeah. lost child, basically. And so it was pretty tough, I think. Yeah. But, you know, um, it God worked it out for good in the end, mm-hmm. obviously. So anyway, with Aiden, you know, we're doing the process again, used to it. We know all the paperwork. We know everything we have to go through. And, uh, and we did go, we went through three Failed at embryo adoptions. Right. Before yeah. So too. I guess, yeah. After, oh, you, yeah. That's yeah. Right, we yeah. did. Um, that's right. We, we were going to do that again because it worked so well. And yeah. I had a great pregnancy and everything. So we were like, well, let's yeah. do that again. And then, then so that was a really big, a really big shock, I think, too, that that didn't work. Um, the second time around. The second yeah. time around, even yeah. with the three tries. You know, each time I was yeah. like, well, it happened the third try with Karis. So maybe it'll happen. And then when it didn't, and they only give you three tries. So that was definitely a huge loss, that too. Was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we decided after that, you know, people would ask me, do you want to stop or can you do, go through this anymore? I think we had that conversation a couple of times. And right. I just felt like, no, there's this longing in me that like yeah. there's still a child out there that's supposed to be our child. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel that more so than Josh did just because I'm a mother. And yeah. I just felt like, no, I just can't stop. And mm-hmm. um, at and least for the, thir- for the third one, I was much more on board because yeah. 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 I shared with her, you know, even though she has had to drag me along, hmm. um, at that point I was comfortable being a father and enjoyed being a father to my kids. And I, I, I was in agreement with her that, yeah, I would like to have another one and we'll go through. The, I'm definitely on board with going through the process again. Yeah. So, so yeah, then we, we started the domestic adoption process again with the same uh, agency right. that we use with Reagan. 
and um, we got matched again for with yep. the first the first match that we applied to, um, and things were a little bit different, definitely than the first adoption. But you know, I kept um, it was a little bit different of a situation. She wasn't as the birth mother wasn't as stable and everything. Um, but you were very involved. You had gone down for yeah. A visit. We, we went down for a yep. visit. Yep. I had active communication with yeah. her, and you know, she seemed like a really sweet person and seemed committed to this plan. Um, but about two weeks, I think, before the baby's due date, we got a call that she had gone into labor yeah. a couple weeks early and that she had chosen to keep the baby. Right. And it was just a really, that was really difficult too, just because yeah. she wasn't in a very good place to have right. a child. And it was just one of those things where there's this other, another loss that, you know, yeah. we just couldn't believe we were experiencing. And um, right. just I mean, felt, felt like we had invested yeah. into our, our yeah. relationship with her and her Absolutely. family. and. It's hard to uh, grieve grieve the loss of well, I should say the loss of child, uh, but not having that child in your family, but then having this relationship that you're yeah. looking forward to fostering and growing, yeah, and being, uh, I guess, a voice of Jesus to somebody in your life, and then just kind of have that end yeah, all so of a sudden with no warning. And that's what I mean. I you know this is where you know, we were friends at this point and in Bible studies together. And I just remember, um, how shocked I was hearing about how everything happened and how, I mean, you never heard from her again. You Mm -hmm. got that word from the lawyer and then it was like, that's it. And so not even the, um, the chance to say goodbye to her, to say goodbye to this child that you were, you know, I mean, and the grief that, you know, I remember Jen, you know, the grief that that was for you guys. And, an example of your faith in the Lord that was so meaningful to me during that time was that you weren't sure what to do and you weren't sure what to do with everything that you were feeling. And the decision you made was to write her a letter and extend grace to her and tell her that you were praying for her and fill in the gaps if I'm missing anything. But I mean, I think that that was, I mean, I can't imagine what you were feeling. I've never been through something like that. And after everything else you guys had been through up to that point, um, just such a, such a sad loss. And yet you were able to extend love and grace, even in that situation, even to someone who you've never heard from again. And, um, and you don't know what their situation looks like moving forward. You were like, I'm going to have the last word. And it's going to be a word of love and grace. And I just have so much respect for you in that. Ooh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. Um, So that, that brings me back to Reagan's story, because one of the things that I love about both of you and the reason I wanted to interview you is that you have had more than your share. You've had like a hundred couples share of grief and loss, um, in this process of building your family, but you have this incredible, beautiful family and you got to experience something this past fall that I don't think, I mean, I don't know anyone who's experienced something like this. Uh, all along, you've had a relationship with Reagan's birth mom. It was an open adoption. Um, she was young at the time and you guys have, um, sort of walked through life with her from afar with letters and, um, and all those things and pictures and I remember, Jen, a couple years ago when we were in small group and you told me that um, it was a big step for you guys, but she was coming to visit. And of course, all of your, you know, all of your children knew who she was and, and that relationship was a whole family relationship and she was coming to visit. And I, I, 
and stay with you and have family time. And you guys brought her to church with you and I got to meet her. I was just so you guys have the most incredible um, perspective vision for God's heart for people and for the world and just love for people. And she really is like another daughter to you guys. I mean, at least from the outside looking in, um, it seems that way or a younger sister, definitely family yeah. the way that. Yeah. Um, and so tell me a little bit about what you guys got to experience this past fall. So, yeah, um, just to expand, expand on that a little bit. She's just an amazing person. And mm. I just really connected with her when Reagan was born. And just I kind of had to grieve just not just having to say goodbye to her because I just fell in love with her. Mm. And I just, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint the relationship that's there. I would say it's like a a little sister or something. I don't know. It, it's, it is hard because there's not really a name for it. Sure. You're but kinda, um, You're kind of like soulmate friends or something because she's... Yeah. For her age when we first met her, I mean, I'm still blown away this many years later of how mature she was and still is. And she's just a strong Mm. person. And to me, that's what I think the connection is because maybe Jen kind of sees herself. They see each other in each other because they're just very strong, headstrong (laughs) women in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just solid, make good decisions. So. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think if we didn't have the relationship we did because of Reagan, if we just met each other, we would be friends. Yeah. So we just had a connection. And so um, all along, you know, we didn't have any discomfort with um, sharing her story or, you know, we were always very open with Reagan about her adoption. And so when she started asking more questions about, well, can I meet her? Mm-hmm. And I asked her and she was like, sure. So we flew her out and it was amazing. You know, it was just it was time to reconnect with her and to see her and Reagan together. It was just beautiful. They look very much alike. (laughs) You know, we pretty much know what Reagan will look like. Um, and very strikingly beautiful. Um, so it was, it was a really cool experience to have that. And I think that helped us bond even farther. Um, we had some really cool talks, uh, late into the night, even Mm -hmm. after Reagan went to sleep, just about the experience. And I got found out more about, you know, what went on and, that sort of thing um so it was just you know a really great experience and then she told me when she had been dating someone and it was you know that was awesome because I just all we wanted to do was see her happy and she she had met a really great guy and they'd been dating for a while and she um when she was here she told me that she felt like he was going to engage propose soon and they would get engaged soon and um so I was like you know keep me posted and so uh (laughs) one day a couple months later I think it was I got a text message with a picture of a ring on it. And mm-hmm. so, so um, and the next text was, will Reagan and Karis, do you think it would be too much to ask them to be flower girls? And I was just like blown away because we were hoping that we would at least get invited, get invited just because yeah. we were like, we want to meet him. And we want to, we didn't, it would have been, a, you know, we would yeah, have we been so, happy. So, yeah. yeah. And I just wasn't sure, um, you know, I wasn't sure how much she had told people, how many, you know, all the people at the wedding who would be there. You know, this is a difficult thing that she had to go through at a young age. And I wasn't really sure of of everybody that was going to be at the wedding knew about her, her child that she had a place for adoption. And so I was just kind of, I don't know, shocked, but also just ecstatic that she would ask. And I said, you know, I even text her back you can just have Reagan in the wedding. You know, that's fine. You don't have to have Karis because she had met and bonded with Karis. I mean, anyone who meets Karis <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. just falls in love with her too. So Yeah, the very so, first thing Karis did when 
we met her at the airport was walk right up to her and give her a hug. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. That sounds like Karis. Karis yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Karis wins people over. Yeah. So. yeah. For sure. So, um, but she was, so she was like, no, she was like, she no, was like I yeah, I think Karis will help Reagan because Reagan's a little bit more quiet. Yeah. And which was also a really awesome thing because Karis had actually been asking mm-hmm. if she could be a flower girl at someone's wedding. And she was like, one day she was even said, I'm going to go to the store and ask somebody if I can be the flower girl at their wedding. And like, she didn't even know that she had been asked. And so we kept this a secret for, I don't know, a a long time. Cause yeah, Yeah. it was definitely a couple months. And, um, I was just, that was just really cool to me that she would include Karis too, just like she would include her own child. And it just meant so much to me because Karis would have been devastated if Reagan got to be a flower girl and she didn't. And so it was just beautiful that she included Karis just like she was a part of her family too. And so, yeah, we um, told them and picked out dresses. And Hmm. then this fall, we all flew out to California. Her, she lives in Las Vegas, but the wedding was in California and um, in San Diego. So we didn't have a trouble, you know, going back (laughs) out there and um, took the whole family out and it was just an amazing experience. We just, mm-hmm. I mean, from the moment we saw everybody and some people we had met at the hospital, her grandparents and her mom. And we you had said met. your question about whether or not people knew, a lot of people in her life did not know. And so she had, I think you said, a dinner before the rehearsal mm-hmm. dinner with close family and um, and told them. Yeah, she's a bunch of cousins, I think, on her husband's side gotcha yeah. and he so I think it was that side of the family that part of the family that didn't really know and so she, yeah she had a dinner because we were going to be there and yeah. she wanted everyone to kind of know who, who, who we were are. and so yeah. she shared her story with them there Definitely. and um yeah so and you know the thing too with Reagan's adoption was um she was definitely on board and but it was a difficult thing I mean yeah. to feel that was a really hard part of it was the thing that was our dream come true and this great, like the greatest joy in our life and especially life as a married couple to have our first child um, was her loss and her mom's loss um, because her mom was there and we could just see the pain in this, you know, ultimately I believe they knew it was the right thing. And they told us once they met us that they felt peace about it, but it was still extremely difficult. And um, so I hadn't talked to her mom, you know, we only met her briefly at the hospital and I wasn't sure how she felt about everything. You know, honestly, I wasn't really sure. I was a little nervous not to meet her. I was excited to see her again, but, um, you know, I wasn't sure. And then I knew her dad who hadn't met Reagan yet because her parents weren't together, um, was going to be there. And, you know, I just wasn't sure how people were going to react to us and not that they would be in a bad way, but you know, I didn't know if it'd be uncomfortable. And so we get there, you know, we don't live out there. We're not really in the family, so to speak or whatever in the social. And what a unique experience. I mean, you got to wonder how will people, you know, react to such a unique circumstance. So, yeah. So anyway, we we got there (laughs) and I mean, it was just from the moment we saw everybody, it was just hugs and welcome, welcome feelings and just, um, it was like family. It was really. just like seeing a family, yeah. yeah, being yeah. reunited with the family again. And um, yeah, from the very moment, it just calmed all of our fears. And the girls obviously just, you know, had a blast, had a blast <laughs> and just started like left us, went to hang out with the bridesmaids and, you know, had yeah. met friends already and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it was just it was really cool. Even the rehearsal dinner and then, of course, the wedding to um, to be there and to see uh our children in this wedding and it was just a beautiful day all around and um yeah, yeah just a beautiful Incredible. picture of of 
redemption and just how God redeems absolutely brokenness. And the, the picture that that was for so many people there because Reagan's birth mom and her husband are are believers, they're Christians, um, but a lot of their family, some of their extended family are not. And um, we're, I mean, you said there were some people that were even puzzled by this. Like they kind of couldn't believe right. that this was happening. And I know, Josh, you said you had some good conversations with people where all you could say was, this is the love we've experienced through Jesus. And they're looking at you either with tears in their eyes or confusion in their eyes. And um, I remember one person saying to me, I was talking about it because we kept hearing the comment that, you know, I can't believe you guys are doing this and, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't be able to do this and you all are so amazing or whatever. And uh, how do you do this? How do you do (laughs) this? And so I was just like you said, explaining that, you know, this isn't us. This is just, this is Jesus. And this is what God does. He fixes. Hmm. He takes broken things and fixes them. So I just remember this one conversation explaining this to somebody. And this person said, you know, I see this and I'm not a believer. I don't believe in this stuff, but it's hard not to take notice when you can see something like this in person. And, I don't know, it's just, it's meaningful to me because I think we're both, Jen and I are the same. Um, It's not me. It brings me joy to be a vessel for God and for Jesus. And when when people notice that, that's the greatest joy I, I have, I think. So to be a part of that, to like Jen was saying, start from something that looks so broken and it's so hard for everybody. It's a joy for us, but it's bittersweet because you know we're happy to have our first child, but we see the pain that it ca- it's causing somebody too. And with the other situation, um, the one that didn't work out, to know that someone has pain in their life and we have pain, um, but you get through that and you see what God can make out of it. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's amazing. It's very humbling to be a part of that. So... Yeah, it's hard to explain if you're not there. I, I, I think we both agreed and we have the understanding that what we got to be a part of is something that, I mean, I'm thankful that we were a part of it. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to explain because it, it's something no one, I think on this side of heaven, very few people will ever get to experience. Oh, yeah. And just trying to um, convey that to other other people who don't believe, but I don't want to say it's heaven on earth, but just really getting the point across that, you know, this is what the gospel is all about. It's making God wants to make something beautiful out of the mess that exists in the world. And to be a part of that, it's just like, wow. I don't know anyone else who's ever had experiences like that. And and you two celebrate them with joy. And it's one of the things I love about you guys. So thanks for sharing your story. I'd love to close with a, we try to close with a try it today. And obviously this is, we've been telling this story. What would you um, say for someone who's listening and wants to do something, wants to walk away with a practical application, what would you encourage them to try today? Either of you have one? I would definitely say just um, try to reach out to others who um, maybe have a story like yours or, um, even, even if they don't, even if there's another hurt that they're experiencing, just, um, try to tap into other people's hurt. Um, because we all have stories. God uses all of us when we, you know, 
are willing to be used. He uses all mm. of us, whether we think it's small and insignificant or a huge thing, God will use it. And I know there's been times in my life where um, I've heard people share stories about, um, you know, infertility or even frequent miscarriages or things like that. And I've felt this prodding and I'm kind of a quiet person, but I felt this prodding to go up to them and just kind of share that, Hey, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I've been through this and if I could help at all. And that's actually led, um, you know, mm-hmm. another part of our story is just that I feel like some of the closest and deepest friendships we have yeah. are because of us being willing to share our story, even though we t- pretend to be quiet and introverted. <laughs> um, we, we like to tell people that our life, we try to live our life like an open book and yeah. share this, um, not be ashamed of it try to comfort other people through their pain because everybody's got pain. And even if it doesn't look like it looking up from the outside in on Instagram or whatever they do. And, um, so just do your best to, to do that. And in doing so that that helps heal yourself. Mm, That's good. The part of it that for me that, well, as I've been able to do that, it's just re reaffirmation to me that the story, this pain that you went through, um, I did make beautiful things out of it, but I'm also using it to help other people. And that to me, when I see other people kind of coming around or um, getting to experience, you know, adoption or whatever it is that I've been able to that God has allowed me to be a part of, it helps me to heal even further. Yeah. Um, you know, because yeah, it's awesome. even though we have these beautiful children, there's still pain that we experience, yeah. you know, those wounds are always going to be there. But being able to help other people has truly helped me to heal. And so I think that's something for everybody to, to try. Just that to is a comfort. good try today. So that's <laughs> your try today is to go comfort someone. And Jen can, she's really speaking from expertise on this because, um, you know, it, it reminds me of second Corinthians one, where we're told that God is the father of compassion and that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And the comfort that you all have experienced from God through your brokenness, you do, you share that comfort with others. And a time in my life just recently where I was grieving something, you you demonstrated expert comforting skills and you showed up, you were trying to be sneaky and just drop something <laughs> at my door and leave, but I was getting ready to walk out the door anyway and um, saw you pulling away and it was pouring down rain and you just stood in the rain and hugged me and that's what it's all about and through that god gets glory because people step back and say whoa what i've never seen anything like this i've never seen anybody take their pain and the brokenness of the world around them something they didn't deserve something that just happened to them for no good reason at all and they serve a god that took turns it into something beautiful and then they stand up and praise him for it and I've never seen anything like that and that's that is like you said Josh that's the gospel that's what it's all about so thank you guys so much for sharing your story um I just love you guys so much thanks for being here you guys can say bye-bye bye thanks thanks guys thanks guys